1: Dave, welcome back. What is the weird smell in the podcast booth right now? It would be coffee
2: spilled uh, two weeks in a row by one Greg (laughs) Hemmings... Uh,
1: well done, and you are standing in the corner of the booth. Um, my socks are completely soaked, oh and I can't goodness. believe it was two weeks in a row. I dumped a full cup of coffee, and you mentioned on the not floor. wanting
2: to spill the coffee. And uh, literally ten seconds it's later, it's the you spilled power the coffee. of suggestion, yeah, Dave. I know. It's beautiful. I know it's terrible. My clothes
1: so, would have a field day with this. I do one. apologize. Uh, today, I'm super excited to bring in our uh, our guest today, uh, and uh, there's a million reasons why why I'm excited. But one is because you, you hear that word. Renaissance man, um, you know, in in uh, customary English language. But mm-hmm. how often do we hear Renaissance woman? You know, it, it's time to redefine. You know, put a new definition behind that. And our guest is the Renaissance woman. Of uh, of North America, in my humble opinion. Of North America. Of North America. You're not putting any possibly pressure on, on her at possibly all. Be <laughs> possibly beyond. Okay. okay, so um, uh, it, it's a friend of mine, uh, Janae Duane from uh, from the Boston area. She is okay. Just let, let, let me see if I can go back in my memory here. She's an author, has written uh, multiple books. She's a she's a public speaker. Had a phenomenal TED Talk that I that I really love about uh, the science that, that of we, happiness. That we
2: should put up, make sure we put up on the blogs. So people- Matt,
1: our producer, will uh, put a link to uh, to the TED Talk. Uh, also, a uh, non-denominational Christian minister. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. Opera singer, uh, opera singer, incredible opera singer, and a serial entrepreneur. So uh, when we're talking about um, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, movement makers, and thought leaders, you know this this gal has all three really. And uh, uh, one of the uh, you know topics uh, that she's written on that I'm very uh, keen to talk uh, to her about is. Uh, how to create a revolution and when we're talking to entrepreneurs and, and startups and uh, and uh, movement makers this is a very topical topic and uh, so that's one of the little things I want to talk about so Janae how are you uh, you're, you're on the road tell tell everybody where you're going right now
3: oh I am going to one of my three universities I uh I, I teach at uh Clark University I'm the lead entrepreneur in residence and uh today is their their first day and um they're um I don't know if these if these students know what they're about to get themselves into, but <laughs> 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 but it's game time.
1: And, and, and t- tell us where in the world you are right now. Like, uh, give us a little bit of geography of, where, of what universities you're going yeah. to where you're living. And...
3: Yeah, so I, uh, I'm living within the Boston area and and am in uh, Worcester, Mass. right now. So, uh, so uh, about, I don't know, about 45 minutes outside of Boston. Um, it's equal distance so that, uh, you know, I can... Just pop around and uh, and even come up and visit in Saint John whenever uh, whenever possible.
1: It's not a far drive, really. I I did it a, a little while ago on a bus, as you know, and uh, I was like, it didn't take long at all. It's like you know i could have drank two beer in that time it was it <laughs> well Janae,
2: how do you so so from your perspective how do you know greg it's always good to make these connections he kind of starts a little preamble but it sounds like you know each other well or are very comfortable with each other how do, how did you
1: guys meet from your perspective and before she no ended, you before she answers that oh she knows this booth she has actually seen this booth <laughs> she has been in this she, booth not, True. I, I don't know if she's been in it but she saw it she walked by it
2: okay so she I wouldn't have, go you I wouldn't go in it cuz there's it. coffee all over
1: it <laughs>
3: Well, I'm actually a little jealous because, well, I'm not, maybe not jealous if the coffee went all over the floor, but I've had—I've tried twice today to get a cup of coffee, and both times have been epic fails. So, I'm—I'm um, <laughs> uh, usually a six cup a day girl, so
2: I'm—I'm I'm uh, really a
3: little bit. You're—you are Just our the people. Smell would be perfect. <laughs> you
2: are our people. So how did? So tell me about your—you know—how you know this crazy guy with the big beard looking across at me here, named Greg Hemmings.
3: Yeah. No, uh, I actually met Greg a little over a year ago, about a year and a half ago, um, when my husband and I came on up to visit a, a mutual friend, Dave Alston. And um, we walked up the stairs to, uh, to this office. And as soon as I saw the word revolution, I'm like, who owns this place? What yes. is this magical place? And then I walk in and it was, it was as if I had come home. And um, and come to find out, it's, uh, it's where you guys are right now.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, well, you know what? I, I was walking up today, and I was thinking to myself, another, you know, they call this Creative Soup, and they got all these great, uh, innovative companies here. I just thought, what a brilliant name, but the whole revolution thing. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about the opera singing, because I, I had a chance to watch your TED Talks, and I love how you start. Right. I don't I shouldn't give it away. But man, that is how many people can do that? But it was where where does the opera singing come from?
3: Yeah, I actually um I've been performing semi professionally since I was thirteen and um I got into opera originally to change it. I, I grew up really poor and um and didn't necessarily have money to go to um to go to a show, but my Italian teacher knew that I was really passionate about um, about singing and starting to think about opera. So she actually brought me down. Um, I grew up in Connecticut. She uh, she brought me on the train and brought me down to the Met. I was so excited. And uh, she got us standing room only tickets. And uh, and we stood there and watched La Traviata. And I fell asleep standing up. And she said, how did you like it? And I was it was the most boring thing I ever saw, <laughs> because all we did was just stand there and sing. Like there was no, there was no acting. It was period costumes, and as a high school student, you know, I wanted to know where, where's the drama? So I actually got into opera specifically to change it because. What I saw was an art form that I knew I loved, and I knew that other people loved. But I also saw that was represented in, in a very antiquated way, and um, and so part of my mission as um, as I performed throughout my 20s was, you know, how can we bring experiential theater through opera, essentially, uh, to the masses? And so. Um, yeah, so, that's, uh, so that was my first so, career. But you can't make a living as an opera singer. Well, I so, was wondering
2: uh, about that. And I was just like, so revolution is like part of your DNA. I mean, you you see yeah, something and it I sounds am. like right from an early age you yeah. want to change it. Even something as traditional as opera.
3: I'm, I'm all about, you hit it on the head, and it took me a long time to figure out sort of, I don't want to say my my DNA makeup, but everything that I do is about exploring traditional systems. And then turning them on their head, so that they can really serve and be designed um, in a human humanistic way for the people that they're supposed to serve. And um, and I just find that every time I dig into a, a new area, that that's where I I, I find that uh, that's how I that's the lens in which I look at it. So, um, yeah.
1: What so, yeah. Would, what would you say the bridge is between revolutionary thinking? And creating kick-ass businesses and being a, a super successful startup, uh, etc. Like uh, it, it feels like the um, the revolutionary mind is also the same mind as uh, the the on-the-edge artist and also the, uh, the 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 groundbreaking entrepreneur. You've studied this a lot. You've written multiple books, actually, and uh, I'm going to reference the startup equation as well. So, you've written books on uh, how to create a revolution, also on what is the equation of uh, the startup uh, with your husband, Stephen, who we interviewed uh, previously on this podcast. Now, right now, Dave is like, Aha! I was like, Why have I heard about the startup equation? Oh, oh. You would
3: know my husband! Oh, my
1: goodness okay it's all coming together I, I, I had to keep that away. So, so making that connection today of uh, revolution and business and 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 also in movement making because we're not just talking to entrepreneurs and business owners in this podcast we're talking to movement makers and disruptors so I'm really curious to hear your connection and all your research um, between revolution making uh, successful uh, you know art and business as well as linking it to your research and happiness there's so many things I want to talk to you about but uh, I'll just let you go (laughs)
3: yeah it's, uh, it's wow that's a really great question and it's a great question i think primarily because no one really asks that and um what i see more often than not is that people want to if they want to start a business or they're coming into entrepreneurship they're coming in Uh, really for two reasons, either one, because they want to, or two, because they have to and it's out of necessity. So let's just focus on the people that want to, um, want to actually go into business. Usually what I find is that people will see an idea and love it and try to dissect it as much as possible, but only to recreate it. And revolutionary thinking, um... It's, it's about looking at that, but then asking the question of, what if? Well, what if we take that and mm-hmm. then do this with it? Or, that's great, right. but what if we think about this solution that someone else has already created and think about it, say, five to ten years from now? And we're seeing a lot of this happening in design uh, which is great, and and primarily in placemaking where people are taking things that you would normally find inside buildings or the ways in which people will interact with, say, a park and really designing it to fit the needs of its constituents and the people that would actually use that park. And so when when I find people that are curious And sort of resilience about that curiosity and sort of pushing the envelope of, you know what, yeah, all right, I can create another app, but so what? What is this app doing differently for me um, that, you know, I can't find in the 500 other apps that are similar? And so those people that have that passion and that curiosity and that resilience that are really changing the game, no matter if it's in entrepreneurship or within their own fields.
1: And what is that energy like? Why is it that innovators and revolutionaries uh, want to invest their lives and all their mental energy and their spirit into making change? I think about this a lot, actually, because uh, and it, there, there's a healthy selfishness in this as well. And there's there's no there's nothing wrong with a, a selfish approach to this. About I'm here on this earth for x amount of time, and I want to make impact. Thankfully, most of that impact supposedly is for the betterment of society. But what is it? What's a common theme uh, between uh, of, of these revolutionaries? Why is it that people want to make something that's different?
3: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna add onto that. So I'll answer the question, but then I'll add on to it. So I think that it really comes down to a need for purpose and a purpose that's bigger than just oneself. Um, because at the end of the day when we're creating something and we're creating something and we see that effect that it has on other people that actually inspires us to create more and to create better, bigger and better things than what we've created previously. Um, and that inspiration is something that you can only get, um, that happen and, and, and that creative process. Um, but I also say that at the end of the day, when a person has their heart and their head aligned, that is really when they individually are most pur- purposeful and also sort of have that that innovative hustle going on. Because many people want to do great things or want to change the world or want to do something that's different and innovative, but in, they're not necessarily aligned with oneself, and so they may be intellectually thinking or doing along one line, but part may be longing for something else or something that um, is maybe something they tapped into in their childhood, and so when people are, are sort of misaligned in that way, what I try to recommend is have people go back to their childhood. What is it that they love to do Like, for some of those activities and see how that's translating to what they're doing now in order to get that alignment? Because really, it's not that people don't want to do great work or they don't want to be innovative. Sometimes they just don't know how, and it's up to us if we're if we are the ones that are doing it. It is up to us to lead by example and show them.
2: Well, you know this whole idea of alignment of head and heart, and I was um, you know I answered the question because I was just going to ask you about that. It seems to me, and I'm and I'm uh, I'm a coach. Uh, I do I work with a lot of um, leaders in all different sectors, and you know where you see the most stress out there, I believe is when there's a misalignment, when, you know, someone intellectually understands where they want to be, but you can just tell their heart's not there. And, you know, and, and then, and that's interesting. Can you tell us a little more about, you know, how, because this would be helpful for me, to be honest with you. I mean, like, you know, this whole alignment and, and, you know, sometimes you feel like you're aligned and then, you know, something takes you down a rat hole and you, you kind of, you're sitting there and something feels off, right? And you realize there's this a misalignment. So, so for someone listening to this podcast right now and thinking, you know, it's, it, that's a good point. I, I don't feel completely aligned. Um, tell us a little more. You talked about going to childhood, but like what, what, what are, how do you help support someone getting that alignment? Because I'm guessing when we have alignment, we feel purpose driven and then pretty amazing things happen.
3: Yeah, no, it's, uh. it's, uh, I'm glad we're talking about it because I think it's something that people talk enough about. And, you know, we, we want the answers, um, but we don't necessarily re- realize that we have the, our own answers and the answers that we need for our to propel ourselves forward. But I think the biggest thing in the first step, whether it's ourselves or another individual, is to take a step back and to breathe. And what I mean by breathe is to give space to something or to an idea or to a person's daily life, or to a process. And I mean this is even for for leaders or, or even businesses. We are so, so constantly being on right now, uh, particularly with, you know, just how connected we are um, to one another, to technology, that a huge part of growth is the space to allow that seed to grow and to allow that seed to flourish. And so um, I always recommend to people and to myself, when you're starting to feel that misalignment, take a step back, sit for a minute and, and think and meditate on it. And you don't necessarily have to go into meditation, but you know, allow yourself the, you know, a minute or two to actually think and say, what is it that you have here? And sort of walk through, say you're working on a project and it's just not going as well, Um, walk through, is it actually the project that you took on? Is it the client that you took on? Is it something that happened along the way? Is it part of the process? Are you doing work within the project that doesn't necessarily align with who you are? If you are, do you have to do that work or can you delegate that work off to someone else who's also involved in the project because we take on a lot of stuff that we think is important, but it's usually just urgent. And so looking at the things that are in our lives and seeing whether or not they actually align with what we're passionate about and then getting rid of the rest is, is really key. But that only comes by taking a step back and saying, all right. Where am I and who am I today? Because we all change and not our core values change all the time, but what we want out of life and what matters to us changes from time to time. So allowing for us to reflect on that is is really key.
2: Yeah, And you got some great, what I would call self-coaching questions that you encourage people to ask upon reflection. And it is, and you said something really interesting. Is this idea that we we have these answers within us, and and often we don't give ourselves enough credit to, or or, or the opportunity to even answer those questions? You know? Do, do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like it's almost as if we're uh, we live in a culture that um, that is so you know it, you know you turn on a TV and there's people busy telling you what you should do and how you should do it and and uh, the, the three steps to success and all these sorts of things. And there's very few um, opportunities to actually sit back like you're describing, Janae, and actually ask you know, and, and reflect and say, what is it that I want? And and how does this connect with my core values? And, you know, what is my vision? And how do I want to show up in the world? Um, so, so that are you having a lot of conversations with people about this? I mean, is this hap- are you seeing this happen? Because I'm seeing a lot of it. And it just seems like we have a, a world that is so ready to, to, you know, to embrace and to tap into just learning more about, you know, how they're showing up in the world and, and how to make, you know, how to be purpose-driven as we just talked about earlier.
3: Yeah, you know, I it's it was really interesting. My first company was um, was a women's organization for women entrepreneurs, and um, and this was a conversation that I first started having a lot when when I was running uh, Wild Women Entrepreneurs, and um, and what I found, and I still find, this, is that people want and have this vision of success because we see other people successful but what we don't sit back and um, take in is the fact that one person's success isn't necessarily another's per- another person's success exactly. and so what tr- yeah what translates for one person will not translate exactly the same way for you and for you know and for any any listener Um, and so what I try to recommend to people is so many great people have, uh, you know, either frameworks or they have ideas in which they can help you, but at the end of the day, as long as you are being true to yourself and really asking yourself the hard questions of, am I really doing what I want to do? All right, fine. You have to work a job that you hate to pay the bills while you're building something else. But are you still taking those steps to build something else, no matter how long it takes? You know, we constantly want this snake oil over the night, you know, right. overnight success, yeah. and it doesn't happen. Every overnight success takes at least ten years or more, yeah. from you know, the people that I know. So, um, so this get get rich quick or, you know, I'm going to be famous because I see these famous people. All of that happens for an individual when they are aligned with what they should be doing and not living in sort of a, um, a shadow of themselves.
1: Yeah, and I, I was going to ask, would this be a common property for in your research for all the uh, movement makers and revolutionaries that you studied for your book— would you would you suggest that they were all in sync, in alignment with this, with head and heart, and uh, with a uh, a sense of purpose and vision? Is it, I'm 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 guessing the answer is yes. But uh, what's your what's your perspective on that?
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's you know, again, it really comes down to having a purpose and not necessarily worried about how you're going to get there. So you know, if we're talking about um, if we're talking about revolutionaries, you know, Rosa Parks wasn't the first woman to protest and, um, and you know, protest on the bus. What made her be sort of this pivotal point was her connections um, to the movement itself. So, but she was so aligned with... With the civil rights movement and and what we're trying to achieve, and there was already momentum that was built up be, built up behind her that it ended up sort of being this tipping point. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing is that just because a person does something once doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be sort of this tipping point of you know this is going to change my life.
2: Mm-hmm. But
3: if you continue doing those small actions and living your life with purpose. In a way that that you're passionate about, then you're more inclined to see the success that that you'd like to see. Depending on what success looks like to you.
1: Did you see the uh, the Simon Sinek uh, TED Talk, Janae, about uh, about purpose? Uh, he probably has more than one. I I just watched it last night, and it was all about. Um, they used Apple, like everybody does, as an example uh, about how. Apple, when they market themselves, they don't say, hey, we have great computers, this is how we make great computers, and this is why we do it. They don't do that. They say the why first. We do this because we want to change the world. How we do that is by making really good computers, and what do we sell, here's the products. So um, What he was saying there is the companies that have really made a dent in the world are those who are purpose-driven first, and their outward message is connecting with other people who are um, who can relate to that same purpose uh, and that is why they have droves of and legions of fans and uh, uh, community members who are going to support their brand and one of the uh, one of the side shots similar to your um, uh, story just some moment ago um, uh, about Rosa Parks is he mentioned dr. King he said there wasn't ne- anything necessarily special about dr. King even though there was but uh, the reason so many people came out um, uh, at that very famous day uh, is because he was in alignment with where the movement was at the time, and um, and I just thought that was a really interesting uh, perspective. It's like uh, that that is one small slice of uh, of history, but kind of what you're saying is that could be cyclical where. Uh, if you continue to live your life with purpose, the impact that you make in the community can get bigger and bi- not bigger necessarily, but can, it can continue. It's not just a little blip in, in, in history. Um, and uh, anyway, I, I strongly suggest you check out that TED talk tonight. It's excellent uh, and completely in line with what, what you're saying. Um, if you don't mind me rewinding a little bit to, to the beginning of your book, what was the uh, maybe you can give us a really quick uh, review of, of what the book is. Uh, is really about, about how to, how to make a revolution. But I want to know what inspired you to write it.
3: Yeah. Um, so the book, really, what I wanted was um, a book that, because I'm all about um, the collective consciousness and social change and, um, and social dynamics and how we make those connections, much to your point, how does one person's actions actually affect those around around them? And so, um, what I wanted in a book were stories throughout history, but also um, stories of people making impact today within their own communities, and then also giving people tools so that they themselves can be activists for things that they believe in um, and create good in the world. But it actually started in Detroit. It all started in Detroit. I was um, I was there. I was actually going to do a talk on creating revolutions. And I had no idea, literally no idea what I was going to say. And, um, and so I got up that morning, and I was like, I don't even know the people of Detroit. This is my first time here. I'm told not to go outside after 8 and um, and to make sure I stay in my hotel room. And how am I going to speak to these people unless if I actually know what makes them thrive, and um, I spoke to two parking attendants, um, two homeless people, and a, a shopkeeper, and they all said, literally, they all said and began their conversations with me, despite what you hear about Detroit, and I stepped back and said, wow, how disheartened. You must be, as a community, if you all start the conversation with a stranger in the same way. And it just made me realize that there is so much good that goes on in the world. And and really, so much of what we focus on is the bad, that I felt that this was my opportunity to really focus in on the good that's happening within these cities and the influencers that are really making the change and highlight them in a, in a way that... Um, you know, in a way that I can by telling, by telling their stories. So, um, so yeah, from that, I ended up on a, uh, 23 city road trip, um, in search of social good. And, um, during that trip, it was, uh, it was a very challenging trip. I had members of my team steal some of my equipment and not really be a part of the team, but also, um, also, that's
1: where when I met my husband. So, hmm. um, South by South yeah, lost, I, if I if I recall. <laughs> yes,
3: very true. Very true. I know my so, facts. <laughs> he's,
2: he's he's done he's done all his research. Um, that is a really very cool story about tapping into the community you're going to be speaking to and using that as a you know a way to uh, to to inform you. In terms of what to speak i think that's so cool and just kind of what that did for you i mean there's something about living in the moment and really trusting isn't there um t- can you tell us a little bit about the revolution change cycle tell us about that I'm, I'm very curious i and i haven't read the book and i can't wait to by the way
3: oh well it's hard uh, it when we look at how change is actually created so usually what you have is your status quo um sort of what you're used to day-to-day life, and then something trigger this unrest or unrest, rather, if you will, within that community, which will continue to grow and to grow, grow until there is one event, and it's usually one event, um, that sparks a need for change. And so, from that, um, we end up with what we call disruption and and some chaos. Because from that disruption, you know, people know that a change is needed, but they don't necessarily know... They're leading with emotions, not necessarily with um, a new plan in place. So, as a community, and we'll just take a community for now, um, as a community deals with sort of a a, a change and and the status quo. There's a lot of chaos around how does that actually work, how how do we make that impact? And so, um, there's then a framework that's uh, sort of put into place of, you know, almost like here we're going to try to do this um, and see whether or not this works. From that comes learnings of, well, you know, this piece of it worked and and we can keep this, but um, this doesn't actually help our problem. And so from that, some modification comes in order to have sort of that new norm, if you will. Hmm.
2: So so knowledge of that framework, I'm guessing, really supports you moving through it in terms of helping to support to create your own revolution.
3: Exactly. And what we find is that because and, you know, we're seeing this, uh, we're seeing this, uh, you know, somewhat in the Middle East right now. When there's not a framework or an idea to take the place of the, um, of the old norm or the, uh, the old status quo, you end up with something that's very similar to it. Um, so when a person wants to create some type of disruption, knowing and really identifying what the true problem or systemic issue is and doing some root analysis around that, so that you can create a framework to solve that problem, will help you to create that new status quo that that's actually going to solve the problem instead of creating just a, a slightly altered version of um, the old norm.
1: Yeah, this is this is really awesome, and I, I feel that uh, this this whole theme of revolution and movement making. Uh, is something that we designed uh, in, in this speaker series on this podcast, Dave, at the beginning, and we haven't had enough discussion on movements and, and revolution. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Jernay, there's so many topics that I really want to pick a brain on. And to date, I don't know, what episode are we on, Dave? 40-ish?
2: We're getting there, yeah. So we, we've been doing this every 830s. week
1: <laughs> since uh, since episode one. And we haven't had any repeat guests, but I, I really want to bring you back on sometime um, because there's so many other <laughs> elements in my introduction that we need to go deeper on uh, in this. Uh, and wh- what I would uh, what, I, what I'd say uh, as we get close to a wrap-up is I, I'd like you, Janae, just to give a little bit of a um, advice or motivation to the entrepreneur, the safe entrepreneur, who may have the ability to create a revolution in their space, uh, make a movement out of their products or service, whatever it is, change the world for for, for, the, for the betterment of all, um, using the revolution, uh, re- revolutionaries' mindset. Can you, can you uh, give us uh, something of that nature?
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. So if I were to make one recommendation, it would really be to live not necessarily in fear, but in discomfort. And the reason why I say that is because so many times we are so afraid, particularly, you know, people who, who want to be safe. And we, we all obviously want to feel safe and want to feel protected. But when we feel sort of that, that fear of, oh, is this going to work? Or why would someone want to buy for me? Or how am I going to make this happen? That is when a person is really primed to sort of step out of their comfort zone and try something. And that's the thing is that it's all about trying. A person is going to fail. You will fail time and time and time again. But you know what? Some of your biggest lessons will be out of those failures. And those failures may actually help you come up with something even better than you had thought up the first time. But you have to fail first.
2: And you have to be okay with that. Yeah. No. I, that, well, and you're just <laughs> can, we can relate to that. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. And um, and you know, and I'm always suspicious of the person who you know has just had nothing but success. You know, and I always think, oh, come on, like let's let's be real here. Um, <laughs> Live and a little. Yeah. It's so and it's so wonderful to hear people talk about spectacular failures and learnings from them. And so that's really excellent, excellent advice. So we're gonna we're doing a wrap here, but I think it would be. Important um, to, you know, and I'm going to put you, well, this isn't probably putting you on the spot at all, but, you know, I went, when we started, I said how cool it was um, to see your TED Talks where you actually start, you know, singing. And I'm wondering if you can sing us out. Like, how cool would that be, you know? I know, and, and I'm sure you're, you're probably, hopefully, at a place where people could actually hear you. But this is all about moving you out of your comfort zone, if possible, if that's even possible. You're not living
1: in fear, tonight. You're, you're just in an uncomfortable place right now.
2: And I hope your students are in the next classroom waiting for the first time to see their entrepreneur in residence. And so I think this would be the perfect time. Would you? You
3: got it. Uh, you're the best. You ready? Uh, we are. <laughs> All right. I have to hold the phone away. I don't know how it's going to be on on your mic. I'll, I'll I ride
1: the levels. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, well done.
2: What? Let it, what, <laughs> is there anyone within earshot of you right now
3: um, no i'm sitting in the car and um and, and everyone's everyone's like to their class but that That's but so that, that would look
1: awesome i'd love to drive oh past yeah you right now. i know thank you so much uh
2: so nice meeting you and what how do how do people learn more about you um we're, we're going to put the link up to the TED Talks because I think that's really, I mean, people will love watching that. And it's around creativity and happiness. Um, how else can people reach you or learn about you or connect with you?
3: Yeah, if people want to connect, they can go to my blog, uh, janae.net. Also on Twitter, I am at the sun queen or sometimes even a smoke signal works.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Denae, thank you so much and on a uh, offline call I'm going to call you and I'm going to get you to convince me to uh, move uh, a portion of Heming's House to Boston is that okay? <laughs> it sounds great and I'm thank actually so I'm much. actually not joking so we have a, a chat sometime <laughs> in the near future
3: <laughs> I, I look forward to it Okay Thanks Denae well, thank Really you nice today. meeting you I mean, Take care Take care Nice meeting you too <laughs>
1: our first opera performance on oh, um, The books. So we've had, like, an
2: astronaut. We've had, you know, um, a number of authors. Yeah. We've had entrepreneurs.
1: We've had a... Uh, what would you call Michael Loger? We, we keep referencing him. He's a... Oh, jeez. Uh, he po- he's, he's almost like a wizard, in a way. We've yeah. had a wizard...
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> just all sorts, right? Oh, yeah. And then and she is so refreshing, man. And oh, just great energy. The, great energy. Total passion. And I, I would say... Um, my oh, so if I can start, I would say clearly head and heart are aligned in this in this in the case of Janae, and yeah. you know, and the fact that she's lived— I mean you know that there was an example right of just just living it right to to say be you know my advice she's giving us to be uncomfortable and then we say could you you know could you sing opera right right now yeah sure and maybe that didn't even make her uncomfortable but <laughs> it could have and she just went for it and that is cool <laughs> and it's a reminder because you know i don't know buddy what like when i personally f- feel the alignment or, or even better or maybe even a better way to describe it is when i feel that i'm a little the alignment's off um it, you know your energy gets sapped it's hard yeah. to do things like like the hurdles it just seems like a mountain instead of a little hill in terms of what you got to to go through when you're feeling aligned um it, it it's almost as if everything is possible and things has happened. You know, it, it's not like it's perfect, but things seem to happen more easily. And you're just uh, that's my personal experience. So just she's really a really good reminder for me personally about the importance of that alignment.
1: And she gets it too. It's uh it was really neat, uh, for her to start the story about her coming from, you know, an impoverished uh, childhood. Uh, So living that experience and then coming to uh, into the world of success and mentorship that she's in now where she's she's really just been a disruptor herself and a movement uh, maker herself and her impact in the world through her her music, through her writing, through her uh, public speaking is significant. So what a fantastic role model. And I love how we're talking about head and the heart. Yeah. happens to be one of my favorite uh, bands. Did you know about the Head and the Heart? No. Are they going to— they gonna... They're from Cea- I think they're from Seattle. I, I thought
2: they were going to start kicking in on your well, iPhone any moment. Usually though.
1: the iPhone starts. <laughs> but uh, maybe if, if, if Matt doesn't kill me for asking, Matt, uh, our, our extra theme has to be a Head and the Heart song, and Rivers and Roads is a really good one. Um but what a theme! I have never really put those two words together in, in the sense of alignment and talking like this. Yeah. But I get it because the well, projects that have led me to design a vision for the company that we stick to yeah. were a result of not of taking on jobs that the head and the heart did not uh, align with. And I get it. And you know, and I, I I one of my takeaways is if you are going to be a revolutionary leader, and don't think you need to be. Um, um, you know, you know, a great military revolutionary to be this. You could be an entrepreneur. You could be a a scout leader. You could be anybody in your community to have a revolutionary mindset. Um, the 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 common properties of a revolutionary leader is alignment with the head and the heart. That's my takeaway. Yeah. Well, it's the same as mine. I know you can't. It's okay.
2: We have a line. Man. Okay, wait, we're aligned. Okay, wait a minute. Are you the head and I'm the heart? That's just how we roll. So um, that was <laughs> cool, uh, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you are still with us, um, <laughs> and at what is it at Sun Queen? Sun Queen is her Twitter yeah, handle. Yeah, we'll have, yeah. And she she had a nice tweet coming into this about, excited about connecting with us. I know you only check Twitter once a week, but I just, well, I just now that you told
1: me that, geez.
2: Um, <laughs> Wait Dave. for our next guest. We've got lots of cool ones coming up. Uh, share this.
1: Please share this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Broadly, yeah.
2: and um, Greg, awesome hanging out with you once again. And I love meeting some of your uh, peeps. I mean, it's hey, just so exciting.
1: What do you think about coming down, uh, opening up Vision Coaching in Boston with me? I think we should make a road trip, just an exploratory trip. Yeah. Okay. And okay. We, maybe
2: we'll do some cool podcasts down there. No, that's
1: a great idea. And uh, I think Janae and uh, Stephen uh, would probably help us connect us with some kick ass interviews down there. That's we a great should take idea. the Boiling Point on the road. That's a great this idea. Thissummer.com. Yes. Okay. Done. <laughs> See you next week. See you, buddy.
0: Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. At Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out LeadershipUnleashed.ca or VisionCoachingInc.com. And on Twitter, at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit HemmingsHouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling.
3: And I guess it's just as well. But I miss your face like hell Yeah.
0: I'm Debbie Travis and I'm Tommy Smith and this is Trust me, I'm a decorator. We're now podcasters. And why did we call it that? Well, you know us as decorators, but we've got lots more to share. We want to talk about travel and relationships. We're going to have amazing guests on. Guests who inspire us for sure. We'll probably talk about design too. And of course, Tommy, don't forget about food. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about food? So please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or as they say, wherever you get your podcast, and we'll pop right up when we have a new episode. where's us luck.